beautiful people and welcome to the Childhood Rising podcast. This space and this business have been intentionally designed to bring together an empowered collective of parents, educators, carers, and other folk who are all journeying alongside children. Through this podcast and our support services, we aim to raise the well-being of the whole child, as well as the adults who walk alongside them. We talk about trauma-informed caregiving, play, and the importance of attachment, while also not being afraid to cover the difficult but deeply reflective conversational topics too. If you too believe in the inherent wholeness, competence, and contribution children have to offer this world, then you're in the right place. Hello and welcome back. Whether you are new here or have tuned into our podcast before, I welcome you. If you have been listening to these podcasts and finding them helpful, I would so appreciate if you could leave a review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever podcast um, platform you are listening from. It really helps us to get this information to more parents and adults who may need the support. So today I'm going to be speaking about one of those really big seasons, which which can be a time of a lot of transition and shifting for all family members, and that is the birth of a new sibling. This episode comes very highly requested after lots of conversations in the one-to-one sessions I have with parents, but also um, through conversations in direct message and Instagram. Many of you are navigating a toddler who might be showing aggressive behaviors towards your new baby, like hitting or screaming, or you've noticed, you know, more challenging behaviors generally in your older child, Um, or maybe you're worried about your child and uh, the new baby not having the connection and the relationship that you had hoped for or had envisioned. But I also want to acknowledge that you are navigating all of this while also navigating your own needs. That postpartum period is such a sacred time in terms of your physical needs for healing, nourishment, and rest. But also it can be immensely difficult if you have limited supports, as well as the added layers of perhaps any birth trauma or perinatal depression and anxiety that so many of us experience. So although today's podcast is more about me sharing specific play and attachment play ideas that are more so related to the experience of your child in all of this, Perhaps what is even more important initially is you. So if you're listening and you've just welcomed a new baby, how are you? Like, how are you really? And what are you needing? In order for us to hold our children through these times of transition, we need to feel heard and held too. I'm going to link a few different resources and uh, other supports that you might want to reach out to. um, And you'll find those in the show notes uh, of this episode. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you a story. So this story is about a dear friend who gives me permission to share the story, but I, of course, change the names of those involved to sort of respect their their privacy. So Claire was a mother to a two-year-old girl named Isla, and they had recently welcomed their second baby. About a month in, or maybe sooner, I can't quite recall the time frame, but Claire noticed, started to notice that uh, there were some changes with Isla after the birth of this baby brother. She was having lots more big emotions more frequently, and it seemed to be happening, you know, over the really small things. She was refusing to nap and had started to find objects to use as a dummy and was crying in this new way. She would cry in a way that was sort of more similar to a cry of a baby and also showing some aggression by attempts to hit the new baby. I'm sure some of you listening can resonate with at least some of what was happening here. 
Um, and we can see this heightened need to cry and have uh, emotion releases. Probably lots of broken cookie scenarios going on there too. We can see that there are some regressive behaviors as well as some aggressive behaviors too. The resistance to nap could be a resistance to the separation that children inherently feel when it comes to sleep. So there's lots going on in this um, sort of snippet that I've tried to uh, share with you to, to encapsulate what was happening for this family. So I'm going to walk you through some of the things that Claire did to support her daughter during this time and specifically the types of attachment play that she used to support her daughter. The first type of attachment play was regression play. So Claire leaned into those times where Isla was pretending to be a baby. So when she was pretending to find objects to use as a dummy or, you know, crying like a baby or any other behaviors that seemed like she was trying to act like she was much younger than she actually was. So trying to act like a baby. And our initial instinct sometimes is um, maybe to sort of place a limit around our child doing that, around those behaviors. And that comes from concern that if we sort of encourage those behaviors, it might get worse or it might become more frequent, right? The reality is that children typically seek this type of play, this regression play, out for a reason. They are seeking nurturing and reassurance, perhaps revisiting a time that they felt really safe and loved or perhaps even developing their capacity for empathy for this new baby by playing out this embodied experience of what it might be like to be that baby themselves. So Claire would lean right into this regression play as much as she could. She would hold Isla as if she was a baby, you know, saying things like, oh, you're crying. Oh, you sound sad. I hear you, baby. I'm here, little baby. You know, things like that, really leaning into Isla being this baby in the play. Another thing Claire did was she used separation games, which is another type of attachment play with Isla. Um, So that included games like hide and seek. So games like this are a symbolic experience of separation between children and their caregiver. Um, You know, separations between us and our children aren't always physical. There might have been some physical separation that Isla was trying to overcome, you know, when mum went to the hospital to have the baby, for example, and Isla had some physical separation from mum then. But it can also be that children um, feel the sense of an emotional separation. You know, mum's time is taken up more by needing to feed and be with the baby. So using games like hide and seek or peekaboo, those sorts of games that are symbolic of a separation are really connecting and they also promote lots of healing around any separations Um, that may have already happened in the past, but also around any separations that might be anticipated in the future as well. The third type of play that Claire used with Isla was some symbolic play. And she did this by inviting Isla to play families where they were able to have some sort of special one-to-one playtime together. And they might pretend to be the family members themselves, or they might be using dolls or teddies or that that sort of thing to... um, replicate some play around families and maybe even specific to welcoming a new baby into that family as well. So you can see that there were some really intentional types of attachment play here that strengthened attachment, you know, perhaps invited lots of laughter, which is an emotion release and used play in a way that was symbolic of that child's experience in order to support them to process and transform the internal story and understanding that they had around this time of transition. So after committing to these types of plays a few times a week, even if it was just in those small moments, which might only be 10 to 30 minutes at a time, right? 
Isla started to show a decrease in the frequency of time she was pretending to be a baby or, you know, showing those regressive behaviors. Instead, this sort of shifted into her caring for her baby dolls while also telling Claire, telling her mum, that the new baby brother needs milk or when the baby cried, she would say, baby frustrated. And she wasn't hitting that baby anymore. So all of that could be telling us that Isla had developed some connection and understanding of her new brother by feeling safe to experience the feelings she had about it, but also while engaging in play that allowed her to be that baby herself, right? It's pretty transformative um, and a real testament to the powerful combination that is play and the connected relationship that we have with our children. At the end of the month, I'm actually going to be running a new live program which has been developed developed specifically to train and support parents to understand and utilize attachment play. It'll be a much deeper dive into attachment play than perhaps attending a workshop or you know listening to a podcast because it's going to include unpacking what to do when you find it hard to play with your kids as well um, or when you aren't sure what to do or what your role is in that play. And the very reason I decided to create this program um, is because of that. So many parents find it hard to play for a variety of reasons. And I didn't want to just create a course that you complete in your own time. I wanted to run this as a live program with that group coaching experience component so that there is opportunity to go so much deeper into your personal circumstances so that you literally can um, learn and embody these attachment play skills for life such a deeply powerful way to nurture your relationship you have with your child now and for the many years to come. If this sounds like something you might be interested in, I will leave a link to learn more about the program in the show notes of this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening today and making the time to be here. I invite you to email me or message me on Instagram with any questions or feedback that you might have. Uh, Otherwise, I will talk to you soon.